How many of you are here for the first time? Okay, beautiful. Welcome. Bienvenidos. This is a school of magic. Are you all interested in magic? (laughs) Do you all realize that you are magical beings? But there's a difference between between being a magical being and being a magician. To become a magician, you must train your magical potential to be fully actualized. Western civilization can be understood as the sustained effort to repress magic. (laughs) That's its whole purpose. To repress white magic. (laughs) There's plenty of black magic around. For the last 2,000 years, that has been the main intention of the forces that have been running this civilization. To disenchant the world. Why? Because you can't control magicians. You can't control sorcerers. You can't control great shamans. You can't control the magi. So whenever they saw a magus, they would eliminate him. They wanted to eliminate white magic because white magic, when there are enough magicians, white having nothing to do with the white race, let's get that clear, it has to do with divine magic that is universal and is more often practiced by the non-white races. But when there is enough divine magic, enough magicians coming together to create an energy field of divine magic, the world can be transformed. And they know that. And so they've done everything they could to eliminate all of the tribal societies because they were sources of great shamanism. All the sources of esoteric knowledge and those who were truly adepts were eliminated or had to go underground, had to become alchemists and pretend they were dealing with metals, (laughs) had to pretend they were involved in other kinds of activities. And when they found a magician who went public, they killed him. You know, the greatest mind of the Western world was a man in the Italian Renaissance. In fact, he was one of the reasons for the Renaissance that was created by just a handful of magicians. Marsilio Ficino, Pico della Mirandola, and the greatest of all was Giordano Bruno. Do you know Giordano Bruno? They burned him at the stake because his magic threatened the church. It was benign magic, it was benevolent. It was magic that would have changed the world right then and made that renaissance a real renaissance. But they kicked, they kicked poor uh, 
not Ficino, but Pico, out. He had to go into exile, and they burned Bruno. And that was the end of Western magic, hermeticism. They translated the ancient Egyptian books. And they translated Plato, who still had some magic left in him, and the Neoplatonists, they eliminated them. So you don't study much magic in the school system anymore, do you? <laughs> and once they eliminated magic from the world, they were able to dumb us down. They were able to convince humanity that this is just a material plane. They were able to teach you a reductionist view, a one-dimensional materialism, and get you to become consumers of things rather than producers of magical power. They've gotten you to forget that you are magicians. They have forgotten you to lose hope in magic and thus to lose hope in the possibility of creating a new world. Because the only hope comes through magic. And so the purpose of the Sat Yoga Institute was to go back to the origins of magic. And they go back to prehistoric times with the development of yoga in ancient India, even before it was called India, in an earlier age. And this understanding of the highest magic, the supreme magic, spread, disseminated to Egypt, to Chaldea, to Samaria, to all of the different parts of the ancient world, even to the new world it was practiced here as well. And the conquistadors were dedicated to wiping it out. But magic is the basis of all true civilization. And so to go from this false civilization that is ruled by a death drive that wants to destroy the planet because it has no reverence for nature, only for the dollar, the peso, the false wealth that is now collapsing before us. Now there is an opening again for the return of magic. But if we are going to return magic to the world, we have to know how to perform divine magic. It's a skill. In fact, it's more than a skill. It's an ordeal. Because it requires transformation. It requires reaching a level of consciousness that is beyond the ego mind, the false mind, that has colonized your psyche. Anyone who went through a school system, anyone who went through a dysfunctional family system, anyone who has gone through this culture, this society, and adapted well to it has been colonized by an anti-magical indoctrination. And that has to be broken through. We are in a trance. We're in a negative trance that makes us believe we're not magical. We have to break through that. So the first step of a magician is to help awaken you from the trance. And once you are awakened, you will discover your inner light and you will attain illumination. 
and that light is power. And once you can channel that light, once you can harness it, you not only can transform yourself and heal yourself, but you can transmit that energy for the healing of others, even for the healing of our world. But the power does not come from the individual self. The individual is an illusion. It comes from the supreme. It comes from the cosmic mind. And it comes from Mother Nature. It is that union of Prakriti and Purusha, of the material world understood not in its obvious superficial level, but at the virtual reality of the intelligence that pervades nature that understands everything and is transforming everything but needs agents, conscious agents, to do Mother Nature's work. And it's when nature and spirit are one that that work can be complete. So the magic requires a unification of all the forces of reality. Instead of the dispersion of the ego mind, that can't have its attention on anything for more than 10 seconds. We all suffer from attention deficit disorder, don't we? Or did you forget what I asked? (laughs) It's getting like that, isn't it? Change the channel quick. That's what they're doing to us. They're keeping us from being able to concentrate. Because the source of all power depends on concentration concentric circles of attention until you get to the still point of the essential being that you are. But that requires a tremendous willpower to focus on the real self, to invoke the supreme and to realize the supreme power as your real self. And because that power is indomitable, it is the absolute power. Nothing can stop a great magician from changing the world. But it has to be now because of the amount of evil in the world, of darkness, of confusion, of despair. We need an energy field made up of an entire community of magicians that work together harmoniously in resonance to create waves of positive divine energy to fill the world. And we need networks of these magicians around the world. And they are forming. It's happening below the radar screen. You won't hear about it on CNN, but it's happening. And we are one of the nodes of this new net of Indra that's being formed on this planet so that when the collapse of this false civilization happens, a new one will immediately light up and be able to carry the torch of the human spirit to ever higher levels than it has ever been in our history. Because we do not yet know the full potential of our psyche. We do not know what our consciousness can do. We do not even know what our bodies are capable of. Because all of these experts, medical experts and other kinds of experts have told us, oh, you don't understand, you've got to come and let us take you apart and put you back together. And they're right, because the ego mind doesn't have a clue about its own body. 
but neither do those so-called experts, as you well know, and they'll make a real mess of it. We have to know our bodies, we have to become in union with them, and to know that the body is more than the physical. Here we teach that there are seven bodies that we have, not just the food body, the lowest, the one that's visible, but the pranic body, mental body, wisdom body, light body, bliss body, etc. And then even more than that, the whole trajectory of our bodies through time and space, because we are not just localized beings in this moment in time. We have existed through all of history in many bodies. And there's a trajectory of what they call metempsychosis, which is different than psychosis. (laughs) Not much in every case, but it's that plane of reincarnation. And the wisdom that we gain through all those lives is accessible if we know how to reach it. And the wisdom of nature and the wisdom of God, all are accessible and downloadable into your local computer system here. It's better than the other internet. (laughs) How many of you use this internet? Don't settle for Google. (laughs) Try Shiva. (laughs) You'll get thousands of times more information. And it'll be accurate. It won't be disinformation. So we have to develop our potential. Our potential to think because we have lost the ability to think because nobody uses it and it's atrophied. And we're living inside this tiny zombie box thinking that reality is hopeless and helpless and petty and narcissistic and I might as well be like everybody else. Turn on the TV, knock back a beer and forget about it all. Well, you can't be a magician with that kind of an attitude. It requires the ordeal of thinking your way through the ego mind to understand the true nature of reality. And it requires opening your feeling states, opening your heart way beyond anything you've ever opened it to. Our hearts are closed, most of us, because we've been hurt too much. We've been disappointed too much by our parents, by our families in general, by our society, by lovers, by friends. I bet there's no one here who hasn't been totally disappointed and had their heart so scarred that you closed it down and it's defended by steel walls. We have to learn to open our hearts again because the power of white magic comes from the heart. It's the unification of the heart and the divine mind that enables that power to be transmitted We are pure intelligence. That's all we are. But the ego, no. It runs in its little gerbil wheel (laughs) over and over, repeating the same self-defeating patterns, betraying itself, desiring things it doesn't even want, disappointing itself over and over again, falling into the same trap over and over again, living a futile life but you can break out of it because it's only a conditioning. It has nothing to do with your real self. A 
But if you want to practice magic, if you want to open your heart and your mind, and to develop the capacity for sensing the subtle world around you, because the world isn't just made up of physical objects, you know. There are angelic beings in the world. Some are in this room now. Can you see the angels here? Some of you are also angels. All of you are future angels. But there are beings. There is subtle light. There are energies. There is more to this universe than what the five senses can perceive. But if you don't open your third eye, you won't have that extrasensory perception. And it has to be developed. It's an ordeal. And you have to be willing to go through the rite of passage, the vision quest, to break the seal that has bound your third eye and made you blind and kept you asleep. That's what we do here at Satyavra. The awakening and then the illumination of the third eye happens very easily and then the liberation from all of the delusions of the ego, all of the suffering that the false mind has created in your life and the freedom now to live an empowered life of pure magic, to live in the miraculous. If we don't do that, this world is headed for extinction. It's either black magic or divine magic. And each of us has the power to change the history of the world by making the right choice. The people who have political power and financial power and all the other illusory powers, they have no power at all. They're in a straitjacket. They're stuck on a train going over a cliff to nowhere. The only people with free will are the magicians who have broken through the ego, who are free in our own consciousness, who live in liberation and transmit that power of liberation to others so it grows, so the magician's union becomes very large. And if you knew how much power you had to change the world, you would be meditating constantly to bring that power through and to act, to act, not physically, but to act with the soul, with the spirit, to transform this world by redreaming it. This is a dream, a dream that has become a nightmare because we have become lost in the dream and we've forgotten that collectively we are the dreamers of the dream. And so because we've lost sight of the dream, we've lost sight of our power to redream the dream, the dream has entered a hell realm in which we are under the illusion of our helplessness under the illusion that we can't even break through our own problems, our own neuroses, our own addictions, our own depression, our own anxieties. That's nonsense. You can break free in a day. You don't need 10 years of psychotherapy, which won't work anyway. <laughs> and then you end up taking Prozac or something worse. None of that will work. The only thing that will work is divine magic. It's the only power in the world. 
And the magic works because it's the connection with the Supreme Being. And so what we do at a satsang is we practice magic. Sangha, sang means coming together. We gather to create an energy field together. Sat means the supreme beingness of our own true nature as gods, as manifestation of the supreme reality that is God and goddess, male and female, yin and yang, the entirety of all potentiality and permutations of being. It is all within us. We are each a microcosm of the macrocosm. And when we activate the full potential, there is no limit to what can be achieved. So to begin a magical practice, you must have faith in your capacity to be a magician. Because whatever words you speak, whatever spells you cast in this magic will only have power if you truly believe in that power. And if you have more than just belief, you have to know you have the power to use the word, the logos, to change reality. And the first reality to change is yourself. From being under the false belief that you're some localized, perishable, physical organism to the realization that you are infinite consciousness. Vast, eternal boundless, timeless, with the qualities of serenity and love and joy and light and power and bliss already inherently inscribed in the very core of your being, waiting to be activated by your own choice. You don't need anything from anyone else and therefore you don't need to be in some state of lack or desire and you certainly don't need to be in any state of fear because there is nothing to fear and the mark of a great magician is to be fearless and so we have to enter upon the field of magic with that faith in the supreme power that we have each been given this is the meaning of every religion the metaphor of Christ as both God and man, that's a truth about all of us. The problem is that religion has been used by the political forces to repress magic, to make you believe that Christ is somebody who lived a long time ago and it can't be you. You can pray to Christ, but you cannot be a Christ. But that's all false, there's no limit. God didn't give a monopoly to one person. We all have access. We just need to use the keys that we have been given and open the portal to the absolute.
So what you do must be done with power, with faith, and with dedication and concentration. And if you do that, you will break through every chain that has bound your soul. Because those chains are only made of delusional thoughts. They're not made of anything else. Because the whole universe is consciousness. There is nothing but consciousness. Even what you think of as matter is consciousness. And our role is to be the stewards and the channelers and the transformers of consciousness. We are to be co-creators. That is what it means to be Christed, to have the Buddha mind to have the mind of Krishna consciousness, to have the mind of Shiva. All of the paths of religions teach the same thing with just different words. You can invoke Allah, you can invoke Yahweh, you can invoke any name. But it has to be done with an understanding of what is behind that name and who you are who are making the invocation. If you think you're just a bodily being, you won't have power. You have to know that you are soul and that within soul is pure spirit and that that spirit is automatically in resonance with the Supreme Presence and can be instantly illuminated by that power. And if you're in that consciousness, then whatever magic you are performing will be successful. The second important rule is this. You must never let the mind be dispersed while you're doing magic. Never think about something else. Never let the monkey mind of the ego draw you away from the magical procedure. This is sacred. This must be followed absolutely. When you're in the presence of God, you don't start thinking about what you're going to do the next day. You are totally focused. If you want to experience the presence of God, you must be totally focused on what you are asking to receive. One-pointedness, total focus. And that needs to be developed. But if your intention is strong enough, if your desire is strong enough, if your realization of the importance of doing this is strong enough, you will break through the tendency to disperse your thoughts and you will find that a great power arises in you that was already there but latent that completely opens your intellect to the true nature of your powers and gives you the will to achieve the miraculous. So do you want to perform some magic together?
In the East, they call it meditation. But that's just an exoteric word to get you to think it is very boring. <laughs> and then nobody will want to practice it. But meditation is, first of all, centering, letting go of any dispersed thoughts, sitting with the back straight so the energies of the kundalini can rise up to the third eye and you can receive from above the descending shakti and your body will be filled with light. But as, as Christ said in the New Testament, your eye must be single, the third eye must be open for the body to receive the light. Because this is the connecting point from the higher dimensions of your inner world to the brain. And the brain mechanism must open up so that this is transmitted through the nervous system and all of your seven bodies receive the same information. So there is coherence as above, so below. Integrity, unity of all the levels, all the bodies, all the dimensions of your being. And each of us is a multidimensional being. So the first step in the meditative process then, once the body is relaxed and you're in the right posture, is to recognize that I, the self, am not the body. You're aware of the body. You're conscious of it. You're conscious of this physical plane through the senses. But the one who is conscious of it is not the body, is not the brain. You use the brain as the computer. When you're on the internet, you don't think you're your computer. You know you're the operator of it. Well, you're the operator of this one as well. So detach and recognize that I, the self, am bodiless. I have a body, yes, but I am not the body. And that's when things get interesting. Because if you're not the body, what are you? And that's when you begin to open to the plane of non-localizable consciousness that is interconnected with every aspect of consciousness in the universe. Just like those particles in quantum physics, they've learned they're all connected. They call it entanglement. Well, if you think those particles are the only things entangled, you're wrong. That's just a metaphor. It happens on that level, but it happens on every other level. We're part of an ecosystem, we're part of an interplanetary ecosystem, even though most of us don't know that yet. But we are also part of a multidimensional system of consciousness, and we have to tap into it. And then all of the information and the power and the light comes through us. 